a couple other things. Um, we've been mentioning that we're going to be going to two services. I said we were going to do that on September 13th. We're not. We're going to do it on September 20th. We need a little more time to pull together the um, children's ministry. So on September 20th, we'll go to two services, one at 9 and one at 11. Until then, we'll just all be close to each other. This Tuesday, 7.30 in here, we're going to have a night of healing prayer. Alio uh, Arniella will be leading that. I would encourage you to come. I've talked to many of you this week who have things going on. It's about as low-key an environment as you can be in. All you'll have to do is sit there, and somebody will pray for you. It doesn't get too much easier than that. So I'd encourage you to come. It's from 7.30 to 8.30. If you can't stay the whole time, that's fine. But if you have an area in your life where you're looking for healing, whether it's physically or there's something going on that you just want to see God work, please come this Tuesday at 7.30 and let us pray for you. All right, Acts 2. Last week we looked at Genesis 2. And we said, based on, those, on that chapter, there's kind of these four elements that we need to incorporate in our life for best results. That was kind of what we were saying, is this is the four best results section of the Bible. It's before the fall, God's kind of laying out, this is what life should look like. We said the first thing was a relationship with God. That was primary and most important. The second thing was meaningful work. We said that's not your job, it's your calling, it's what you were created to do, not necessarily what you're paid to do. The third thing we looked at was regular rest. And then the last thing, which was where we focused, was on relationships with one another. And we said that was, that was the thing we wanted to grab onto because that seems to be the most difficult um, of those four to create and maintain. God said to Adam, it's not good to be alone. He had the other three. He had the relationship with God. He had meaningful work. He had regular rest, but he didn't have relationships with other people. And God said it's not good. And just like it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, it's not good for us to be alone. And the solution is not marriage. The solution is relationships, marriage being one of those. This is not a single married thing. This is a relationship isolation thing. And so we, we talked about being in what we called life-giving relationships, and we just said that was kind of shorthand for what we saw in Genesis 2, these relationships that the Bible describes as naked and without shame. So we said there's a transparent element that's letting people see into you, letting people know what's going on in your life, and a vulnerability element, letting people speak into you and help form and direct and shape and all of those things in your life. You need both of those things. If you have one without the other, it doesn't work. It's, it's really just silly to have one without the other. You need transparency and vulnerability with people who love God and people who love you. So that's what we said these life-giving relationships were, and we all need them. Um, today what I want to do is I want to focus a little more on how exactly we can get into those. And one way in particular that we can do that is through small groups. Today we're going to talk about small groups. We're launching 14 small groups this morning. It's not a plug for you to do something so we can say we have 14 small groups. What we're trying to do is say these life-giving relationships are vital to you living your life well. And so here's an opportunity to jump in and cultivate those type of things. So this is Acts 2.42. You probably heard this before. Uh, they devoted themselves. This is kind of a snapshot of life in the early church. So they, as the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, probably for the past 10 years, churches like ours have really grabbed on to this passage and said, that's, that's it. That's the key. That's the picture of what we want to be. And so there's this entire movement within uh, churches that have been started, independent churches, to try to figure out, well, how do we get back to this picture? And I'll just say straight up, that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to go back to Jerusalem in 35 AD. We live in Marietta in 2009. And the power of the Bible is that it works then and now. It works there and it works here. We're not trying to recreate this in any sense. We're trying to figure out what does it look like for us to live this out in Marietta in 2009. This was a snapshot of the church when the church was a very effective time in its life. And so what we want to say is, what does it look like for us to do this here? Now, keep in mind there were at least 3,000 Christians at this point. If this was written on the second day of the church, because 3,000 people became Christians on the first day of the church. So if this is the second day, there's 3,000 believers. And when you read that, to me, you can't do what we just read with 3,000 people or more unless you break them down into smaller groups, which is what the leaders of the early church did. If you read through the New Testament, at the end of a lot of the letters, Paul says, and thank you or blessings or whatever to this person and to the, house, the church that meets in their house. Uh, I don't know that this is true. I've, I've heard it said three or four different times that archaeologists haven't found a building that was specifically designated for church use uh, that was dated earlier than the 400s. I mean, excuse me, earlier than the 300s in the 4th century. So everything prior to that, people met in homes. There was a corporate element to it. We read that. They met in the temple courts. But it seems like the primary identity of the church during this time was some type of small group thing where they prayed together, they served together, they ate together, they ministered together, all of those. They shared together all of that type of stuff that you couldn't do with 3,000-plus people. Now, maybe at some point we'll have kind of this house church thing that they did with groups of 30 or 40 people meeting in homes every week, we're not, we're not there. We're not even close to that. And so we're taking a baby step in that direction today. We want to launch 14 small groups that, are all, that all run for a very defined period of time. You're not committing your life away. You're really not even committing your year away. They're all um, maybe three months or less just as a way of stepping into this. I want to tell you a little bit about what the small groups are going to be like, and then I'm going to let you hear from all of the small group leaders. When I say small group, if you think Sunday school, because that's kind of your picture, if you loved Sunday school, that was your thing, and you look forward to it every day, then our small groups are exactly like Sunday school. If you did not like Sunday school, could not be more different. Carrots and chocolate. So whatever Sunday school does for you, if, if you love it, so do we. And if you didn't, we hate it too. So you, we're not doing Christian education here. That's not the point of our small groups. It's spiritual formation, not Christian education. There is a component that will have to do with information, giving information, but that's a very small element of what we're talking about. We're not talking about teaching you things about God or teaching you things about the Bible or teaching you things about how to be a Christian. What we're talking about is forming all of us into a particular type of people. And for us, we're saying that's disciple makers. This is 
Um, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. These are Jesus's final instructions. Then Jesus came to them, to the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The controlling command there is go and make disciples. And if you make disciples, what does that make you? Excellent, a disciple maker, because you're making disciples. So that's how we're defining success as a church and for these small groups. It's not about delivering a certain amount of content. It's not about a certain percentage of people being involved. It has nothing to do with numbers at all. It has to do with are we helping make disciple makers because that's what Jesus said we were supposed to do. That's how he defines success for us. And so that's how we're defining success for us, making disciple makers. Now, for some of you, y'all are independent, free-spirited, and that sounds like we're trying to put you into some mold and it's going to be a cookie cutter and, you know, you don't want all of that structure. It's not, this isn't an assembly line process at all. This isn't five steps and then you'll get a pin and a hat that says world's number one disciple maker. That's not It's not what we're doing. What we're saying, Jillian, if you'll show that next slide, what we're saying to me is you can slot people. um, Everybody to me is is in one of these five groups. I'm going to label you. So to me, everybody is in one of these five areas, which I'll explain in a second. And all we want to do is help people go forward. That's not condescending. It doesn't mean that some people are behind and some people are ahead. It's not manipulative. It's just... We feel, I feel like God has said, this is what, not just Stonebridge, this is what my people need to do. They need to make disciples. So if I'm going to follow him, then that's what I need to do. And this is kind of the way we're going about that. Some folks are disinterested. They don't care. They don't care about God. They don't care about the church. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about the Bible. Some are hostile. I think that's just a small percentage. Most are apathetic. They just don't, there's not a, and maybe that's you. You just don't see how God or the Bible or Jesus or Christianity intersects your life. You're you're disinterested. Some people are seeking. They've moved beyond the stage of being disinterested. They want to know the truth. Usually something's happened in someone's life. It's made them kind of say, whoa, why am I here? Or what's happening? Or is there a God? Something has happened, and it causes people to to search and say, well, what is true? What is real? Maybe they have objections to the Christian faith, and they begin to walk through those. Well, this is what, I don't know why bad things happen to good people, or I don't know what happened. I don't think it's right that God sends people to hell. And so people kind of get into that. That to me is seeking. Nobody's committed to anything. They're just investigating God, the church, Christianity, Jesus, the gospel, all of that. There are some folks, many of you in this room are believers. That means you've accepted the fundamentals of the gospel. You've said, I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own. I'm going to give my life to Jesus, ask him to forgive me my sins. And that's I'm on his team. So that's a believer. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of people stay. I don't think that's the end. Then there's a disciple. That's kind of uh, where we as a church have spent since January really hammering what does it look like to be a disciple. And we define that with two key Bible verses that you've probably heard um, me say about 1,700 times in the past year. Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's an identity statement. 
God is saying, I predestined you before any of this stuff happened. I decided beforehand, I want you and 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 you to look as much like Jesus as possible before you die. That is God's program for your life. We've talked about that extensively. We either cooperate with him or we don't, but it doesn't change his mind. That is his purpose for all of us, Christian or not Christian. Everyone he created, he's saying, I created you with the intention of making you look as much like Jesus as possible before you die. So there's an identity element there. There's a fact that my identity is rooted in who I am in Jesus, not what I do here. And there's a character element. If God cracks open my chest and he looks in here, he wants to see my insides shaped like Jesus. It doesn't mean I lose my particular identity or whatever. It just means that he's shaping me to be like the Lord. It's not about cloning at all. It's about God created you and there's a way for you to live out who God created you to be in terms of your character. So that's the first. The second is Ephesians 2.10. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand either for us to do or so that we could walk in him, walk in them depending on your translation. That's what you do. So there's a who you are and there's a what you do. And both of those things put together are what to me it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means someone who is Romans 8, 29 and Ephesians 2, 10 You're doing both of those verses. Your insides are becoming conformed into the image of Jesus. And what you do out here in your world, you're doing the things that God created you to do. Again, this is not about your job. It's about your calling, what God has made for you to do. So those two elements. Then hopefully, after you've done that, if you'll go back to that other slide, Jillian, from the disciple, then the next thing we want to see is we want to see disciple makers, which is just someone who helps somebody else. That's it. it. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have arrived. It doesn't mean you're sinless. It doesn't mean you don't have to be 75 years old. None of that. All it means is you're helping somebody else do this. That's it. That's a disciple maker to me. It doesn't mean that you're the be all end all or the Bible answer man or none of that. All it means is you're intentionally saying, who are the people in my life and who can I help? do this. You're just cooperating with God and what he's trying to do in the lives of the people who he's placed around you. Plain and simple. That to me is what it means to be a disciple maker. You're helping other people become disciples, whether that's a small step or a big step. So all that to say, our small groups are designed to help with that. There is an informational component, but it's small. The big component is relational. We need to be with other people. No matter how awesome our Sunday morning services ever get, wherever you put them on a scale of 1 to 10, if they ever get to be a 10 out of 10, they're still insufficient. They're not adequate to do this. You have questions. Most of you aren't going to ask a question or a setting like this, and we don't give you a chance anyway. You've got issues that you want to work through. You can't necessarily do that here. You might say, you know what, you talked about something a month ago. I haven't gotten past that. You've moved on. You, you need, there needs to be a small group element for you, a relational element that helps do this. That's how we were designed, I think, by God. People helping people become more like Jesus and figure out what's our thing, what's our deal, and then how do we do that. So there has to be this relational element. I think small groups are the best way for us to deliver that. So that's the first thing. That's the, the point of our small groups. It's not... Christian education, this is not about, ooh, I need to learn a new thing, although that's fine. This is about, I need to become a different person. 
I need to become the person God has created me to be, and I need to do the things God has created me to do, and I need people to help me figure both of those things out. Second thing, your small group leader is not your teacher. They function more like your pastor, even though it's for a limited time. I'm the pastor of this church, obviously, but there's some of you who've been going here for four or five or six weeks, and we still haven't met. I don't know your name, and so it's pretty difficult to say with any integrity that I'm helping you do this. And it, that's, the, that's just the reality of the size that we are and the size that it looks like we're going. And so we need more pastors. And your small group leader will really function as a pastor for you. I'm still here. I'm available, all those things. But you need someone who's in your life on a weekly basis, who's speaking into your life, someone who you can share with, someone who knows when you, what you're dealing with, all of that kind of stuff. That's what your small group leader will be and will do if you'll let them. Their job description is to love everyone who comes to their group, to pray for everyone who comes to their group, and to pastor the people who let them. If you don't let them in, they're not, they're not, there's nothing they can do. This is all voluntary, obviously. But if you're willing to let them into your life, they're saying, with whatever I've got, I'll help you. They're not saying they're experts. They're not saying they're better than anybody. None of that. What they're saying is, I'm going to cooperate with God in your life for as long as you'll let me. And if that's a baby step, if that's a big step, whatever, that's what I'm committing to with you. So just know that's what you're getting into. This isn't teacher-pupil type thing. This is we're in this thing together, and we're trying to move forward together, and these people are saying, I'm going to take responsibility to kind of shepherd this group as well as I can. So how do you pick a group? You should have one of these things. You're probably sitting on it so it's all wrinkled. It says seek. If you open it up, there's a insert that says small groups. And on that insert is a list of small groups. There's 14 small groups that we're um, launching today. So if you look at that and you may say, well, how am I supposed to decide which one is for me? Several ways you can do that. One way you can look at your interest. You can see uh, the top, the names are kind of self-explanatory. You can get a picture for that. If there's something that you do want to learn, you can do it. I, again, to me, that's, that's the appetizer, not the main course. But if that helps draw you in a certain direction, by all means. If you, you're wondering about the financial meltdown, then sign up with Al. If you want to get in shape, sign up with this shift thing for Amy. Whatever you want to do. So it could be based on your interest. You might want to do it based on relationships. Maybe you know who some of these small group leaders are and you want to connect with them. Maybe there are people who you know out here and y'all want to do something together. That's fine. It could be that, um, excuse me, there, we have groups for men. We have groups for women. We have groups for young marriage. You might want to kind of plug in that way based on your demographic, for lack of a better word. That's fine. To me, you can. For, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick based on my schedule. I've got Tuesday nights are booked. We've got soccer practice. We've got gymnastics. So I've got to find a night of the week that we can do this, because to me, again, for me, the information is not the thing. The relationships are the thing. The only group that I'm out is the um, women's Bible studies. Anything else to me is open. So I'm not a young married, but I might be in a young married group if that's the only thing I can make, because it's not about the content. It's about the people, and a mixed group is a good group. If we segregate ourselves too much, we lose the wisdom and the flavor of being with people who've already done it. If I'm going to a parenting class, you better believe I want to, somebody in there better have kids who are older than mine. 
If, if you're in the same boat as me, you've got nothing to tell me. I need someone who's done it, who's going to tell me it's going to be okay. So there's a, there's, a, there's a wisdom in mixing. So don't allow yourself to say, well, I'm too old for this, or I'm too married for this, or I'm... No. The, that is a small component. Men don't go to the women's Bible studies. Women don't go to the men's accountability group. Other than that, you're good. Look for something. For us, we're going to pick something that fits with our schedule. That's the most important thing. And I would say that's the biggest reason people don't do this. You don't have time. Neither do I. But it's what we said last week. We're talking about two out of 168 hours. I think we said that was 1.2%. No. Did we say that? 1.2% of your week? Something like that? For something that, according to Genesis 2, is one of the four main elements in living life well. It's worth two hours. You can move stuff around. You can figure it out. And it's, it's worth it. Is the group going to light up your life? I don't know. But I know it's worth it to engage because God meets us in relationships. And these small group leaders are committing to creating an environment where you can connect with other people and connect with God in a real way. That's worth it. It's worth moving stuff around. It's worth rushing to get there. Or it's worth the kids going to bed 15 or 20 or 30 minutes late. Well, it's worth it. I, it's worth it. And it's, it's a limited time. We're talking 6, 8, 10, maybe 12 weeks at the most. So uh, small group leaders, if you guys would line up here on the floor. So these are the guys who are going to lead small groups. And what, I'm going to, what I've asked them to do, they're not in any particular order. It would have been smart if we had asked them to be in this order so you could follow. But we didn't, so you're going to have to pay attention. So uh, we're just going to start at the end, and they're all going to give you their 30-second or one-minute pitch on what they're doing. So listen to what they're doing. Listen to them. Just see if anything resonates in your heart. And then we'll uh, do what's next. Here, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa Wilkins, and um, we are going to be, uh, my goal is to establish community with the women that come, so we're going to have a light supper and do the things women do over supper, over the table, and um, then we're going to study God's Word, and we're doing John the Beloved, which is really about falling in love with Jesus. Hello, I'm Richard, and this is Becky, and we're going to be doing uh, the study Experiencing God. It'll be Wednesday night uh, at 7 p.m. to 8.30 in one of the children's rooms over there, and that's a discussion group, and we'll be targeting, I guess, uh, people maybe might be in transition or maybe uh, who aren't on the same page with God, or just people you just may need to feel like things have been a little different over the years and you just like to recalibrate. And so for best results, we have these books here. And that's the old one. Here's the new one. And uh, it's, I think it's five days per week. And there's actually a library call number for this, uh, Dewey Decimal System 231, subject... God, subtopic, will.
Hi, I'm Susan Coley. I'm actually standing in for my husband, Brian, this morning to tell you about his um, group, Discerning God and Your Story Through Film. Um, just to blurb about my husband. You'd really like him if he was here. Um, he was a film major and film and television major at NYU, and he worked for Turner for 13 years. And um, 10 years ago, he started a faith-based um, organization called Art Within that works with screenwriters and playwrights to develop faith-based works um, that intersect their story and God's story. And so he wants to, um, he believes that the principles of story that God shares um, can impact just everyday Christians also, even if you don't have a film to write. And so his notes say, through film, TV, music, media, story has a huge impact on how we live our lives. It's also a language that creates community. Just hear what folks talk about around the water cooler, and usually it's the latest movie or YouTube video or story in the news. Story is also the language of God. He used it to give us his word, and Jesus came to earth and used it to teach us about God's kingdom. In this small group, we'll be using story, primarily films, to better understand our own personal story, God's story, and to utilize story as a language to create community with one another. Um, homework on this one's a lot easier than <laughs> the last. It'll mainly consist of bringing a film clip each week um, that you'll be assigned that you know shows a specific idea or something that you're talking about. And um, he says 6 p.m., but he's willing to move the group back later if enough people couldn't make it at that time. He just wants to make sure there's plenty of time for people's clips, and he would like to limit the group to 10, so y'all will have plenty of time for that. My name is Josh Wilkins. This is my wife, Taylor. Uh, we are partnering with Tim and April Bailey. Uh, We're doing the one-year Bible, and it's a the Bible is broken down into an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, Psalms and Proverbs, and it's just a, it's a daily devotional. We're going to get together on Wednesday nights and just kind of discuss how that either relates to our lives or just, you know, questions about the Bible. Sometimes things pop up in the Old and New Testament, and you're like, huh? So uh, that's what we're going to discuss. It's, uh, it's going to go as long as we can keep people going. It's going to meet about 7 o'clock at the Bailey's, and then probably every other month it'll switch houses maybe back to our house. Uh, but you're all welcome, and, we, you know, it's a, it's a great way if you know anybody that wants to – we want to keep it open to people who just – or maybe college students as well that are transitional that are only home for a couple of months because it's something they could really, you could jump in and be there for two weeks or two months or a year and it would be okay. So it's very, uh, it's very functional and flexible. Um, and we hope you come. Hi, my name's Melody Sanchez and I'm going to be leading a ladies group on Monday evening at 730. And we're going to give you a little bit of time to get your family fed and settled in before you come. We're going to be studying a book called Discerning the Voice of God. And this book covers the voices that we all hear in our head. Sometimes we'll hear our own voice, and that's often tainted by what the media tells us, by our family heritage, or things that we hear in the world, our culture. But we, also, we want to know that we hear God's voice that's speaking to us because we want to be able to discern God's will for our lives. And this book will teach us how to sort through those voices that we hear so that we can hear and discern God's voice so we can know his will for our life. So that'll be at 7.30. It'll be a six-week course. This book um, does have some homework, about 30 minutes a day for five days, and I think it'll be a great time for you ladies to get together. We'll fellowship. We'll have some great desserts that I know all you ladies like, and that'll be a great time for us. So I encourage you to come on Monday evening, sign up for that class, and I'll see you then. Hi, my name is John Sanchez. Let me ask you a question real quick. How many have a smoke detector or a 
or a fire extinguisher in your house. Okay, I think that's the majority of us. I think a, we all think it's a wise thing to put something like that in our home to protect our property, obviously, and most importantly, our loved ones but from the potential harm of a fire. I mean, we invest in health insurance for that unforeseen medical emergency. We invest in auto insurance for that um, accident on the road. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was something that we can do to fireproof our marriages? Well, guess what? There is. We're going to have a, 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 a small group on Sunday evenings um, called Fireproof, and we're going to just talk about different things about how to fireproof our marriages. And I jotted down a couple of things that we're going to be um, talking about during this um, um, six-week um, small group um, series. Um, we're going to be talking about things like understanding how God makes us to be different, how God loves us, um, and en enables us to, to love our spouse better, uh, why marriage is, is a lifelong covenant, um, freeing ourselves from the temptations that can destroy a marriage, and the for forgiveness of, you know, um, from God's perspective, and a, a bunch of different um, subjects um, in that vein. So, and one other thing that we're going to talk about, too, is the love there. And if you want to know more about that, you can come and see me um, when we break, um, break away in a moment. But we would love to have you come and join us. So we're going to meet on Sunday evenings um, at 6 o'clock, and, and child care is going to be provided. Hello again. I'm Al. This is my wonderful wife, Pam. And uh, we're going to be meeting uh, Monday nights at 6.30 to discuss initially this book called Surviving the Financial Meltdown. So... Uh, if this economic crisis has uh, affected you or uh, you, you feel like you, know, you can't rebound from it or you're wondering how, uh, what, what does God have in store for me with, with uh, finances or how is he really working in my life, uh, that's what we're going to start with. I, I would say it would be a very typical small group, traditional from, from at least our perspective where – uh, we'll meet at 6.30, we'll, we'll welcome one another, we'll worship a little bit, we'll look at a 20-minute video, discuss it, and then pray and uh, send you on your way. So uh, if you have some interest in that, just uh, see us wherever we're going to be. Hi, I'm Steve Egan. Uh, having lived 63 years, I've learned at least one thing, that is that life's hard and I need brothers to help me through it. And when Riverstone opened uh, the new building a couple of years ago, uh, five brothers started to meet at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings to talk about the week, to uh, confess things that we needed to work on, and to pray for each other. And uh, when I came over here, and particularly when we went to two services, it kind of messed that up. And we've been looking to start a Saturday morning session for a long time, and it was, this was a perfect opportunity to start it. So we're going to do this here. 8.30 to 10, the second and fourth Saturdays. Uh, the five of us will be here, and we'd love for other men in the church to join us as well. Uh, in particular, I just want to emphasize that this is not a group for old fogies, but we have a heart for pouring in to young men as well. And one of the things we like to see come out of it is some older guy, younger guy relationships, personal relationships that will carry on throughout the week. So uh, we'll start in whenever the second week in, uh, in September is, Saturday morning, 8.30 here, and encourage men old and young to come. Thank you. My name is Dennis Champagne. This is my wife, Alice, and uh, our group is titled Marriage and Growing Together. It will be on Wednesday nights from 7 till 9, or we could shift it either way. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, light dinner, no child care. We live near 
uh, Lassiter, Sprayberry High School, just to give you a geographic approximation of where we would be meeting. Al's going to tell you a little bit about the study. Well, I don't know about studying. We're going to do more like Pastor David was explaining, building relationships. So if relationships are important to you, especially you and your spouse. This group is going to be for couples uh, of any ages. Uh, we've been married 25 years, but if you've just been married one year, any married couple ages, um, and we want to grow in our own relationship we thought with each other. It's a time to spend time with your spouse and with God and building those relationships and just making new friends. Um, we've been here a little while, but we haven't really met that many people, so we want to meet some people and help each other to grow in our lives with Jesus and as a couple. I think that's it. Good morning. I'm Amy Norris, and I uh, was thinking maybe I would dress in camouflage and bring a whistle and get y'all up and <laughs> jogging in place um, because my small group is boot camp. And um, my vision for this, of course, is that everyone come, um, and you, by the time that the, the course is over, you'll be in better shape physically. But the bigger picture is um, this is a really, I think, kind of easy invite for um, you to invite people who don't go to church. Unchurched people, invite them to come and exercise with you for an hour. Um, I've been doing practice sessions with a couple of friends. Um, this will be at Lewis Park, which is just a few blocks from here off of Campbell Hill Road, just south of um, Keniston Hospital. Um, I've been doing some practice sessions there with some friends, and we have determined that it's really fun for men to come to, actually. Um, I have it set f um, up on the screen for just women. We are going to do a women-only morning session for one hour on Monday mornings from 8 until 9. But Wednesday nights, we've determined we're going to open it up and do men and women as well from uh, 6 until 7. So it's great fun for um, spouses, for boyfriends, for friends, whatever. Um, my husband, Greg, will be helping me with lead that group on Wednesday nights. Um, if you're interested, please come see me for more information. I don't want you to not come because you think it's going to be too difficult physically. If you can walk a mile, you can do boot camp. There are ways to do it um, that it's lower impact, lower intensity. Um, the whole point is to connect with each other, have fun, maybe burn some calories, but invite people from outside church as well. So come see me for more details and for the additional dates and times. Good morning. I'm Nancy Hutchins, and this is my husband, Brandon. Um, our small group, we're going to read a book called Love Life for Every Married Couple. It's by Ed Weed. It is, I can assure you, it is G-rated for all audiences. <laughs> the title is kind of a doozy. But um, <laughs> we, um, this book is really a special book. We read it about two years ago, and I just went online last night and just looked it up to think of something that I could tell you just a short bullet point that I could tell you about this book. And I read a review in the very first sentence of this review. You know, when you click on Amazon.com, you can review something. And the very first sentence of this review said, this book is hope. And that's what it is. And that's a great, great bullet point for it. Um, if you are, um, we've kind of experienced the agony and the ecstasy of 11 years of marriage. Um, emphasis on both of those words. <laughs> Um, so wherever you're at, if you have a great marriage, it can be better. There's hope for even more. If you struggle, there's hope for you too. And um, this book is what this is all about. So we are going to meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30.
and um, we'd love to have anybody there. I think it says young marrieds, but really we'd love to have any married people, and um, we sort of would love to amen what David said this morning about there being variety and mixing up the age range. We can share, you know, learn from each other. So any age um, marriage is welcome. So uh, we'll see you on Tuesdays at 6.30. Hey, I'm Michelle, and we're going to be having a study at um, my house on Thursday nights at 6.30. I live in Sandy Springs, and it's just about 20 minutes from here, so it's not far. And it's open to anyone who wants to pursue being more authentic. We're going to be going through um, a workbook right here called The Real Deal, and it's about being more authentic in life and in leadership. So if that's a desire you have, anyone is welcome. And you're welcome to come afterwards and look through the booklet or ask any questions as well. Hi, I'm Lisa Tyre. Um, Catherine Harbour and I are leading a Beth Moore 12-week um, Bible study on Daniel. Uh, the first half deals with how to live lives of integrity in a anything-goes culture. And the um, last half is about the prophecies from the time of Daniel into the second coming of Christ. Um, we're meeting here at the church Tuesday mornings from uh, 9 to 11. Uh, we did actually have our first kickoff last Tuesday, but we we're on week one, so it is not too late to come, and we would love to have you. It's a great group of women, and um, you can get this at Sweet Spirit or anything like that. So we'd love to have you. Um, we are Jeff and Kibby DeJarnett. Um, we are going to be leading a group on parenting. Um, that's kind of a daunting task uh, because, you know, if you're like me and you want to hire a painter, you want to go see the work before you hire them. And, um, you know, I can't say we've got four children. We have gone through a lot, through a lot with them. Um, only one of them's ever been arrested, so that's a pretty good track record. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. Wouldn't you think so, David? I mean, 750 batting is pretty good. So, you know, and if he'd have listened to his dad and sold his tickets before he went to the Florida-Georgia game, there never would have been a problem. But anyway, that's another issue. Um, but anyway, we, uh, you know, probably the prerequisite for, for this uh, group would be having kids. But if you don't and you want to come, that really is, uh, is, is no concern of us. But we mainly just want to be a, a resource to encourage you because there's things that you go through and... Um, you know, our kids are older and we've been through some things and not that we did it perfect and not maybe we even did it the right way, but we did get through and uh, that's really what it's all about. So it says up here that we're meeting on Thursdays, but we had to change that. So right now we're looking at meeting on Sunday evenings here and we're going to probably partner with this other group and have childcare together. So uh, we would love to have anyone who's available and would love to come and just be encouraged as you're trying to raise your kids. Um, we're going to go probably at least six weeks, and if we want to go more than that, we're happy to go as long as this group would like to go. So, thanks. Okay, this is what we're going to do. You should have a little card in your thing that you sat on, and uh, Kim's going to pass out some pens. This is this is what we're going to do. These guys are going to kind of fan out around. Y'all can do that. Just kind of fan out a little bit. Y'all want to um, come up and speak to them about any of the groups? You just got a lot of information in a very short... Y'all don't all leave. Somebody needs to be here. Um, yeah, y'all stay here. We're, we're going to pray for these guys, and I'm going to pray for y'all. And then what I want you to do is, if you already know that you want to 